This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, welcoming you to the Lead On podcast, where every week we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Uh, last week I talked about learners, excuse me, leaders are learners. I talked about the importance of uh, leaders being perpetual learners and uh, trying to uh, constantly be developing and changing and moving forward in uh, lots of different ways. We talked about that last week. I ended the podcast last week by talking about what happens if you make a mistake and uh, how you can recover from those by admitting that you're wrong and how most people will value uh, a leader who has the humility to admit that he or she is wrong and then makes the courageous decision to go another direction. And uh, they'll appreciate that rather than someone who stubbornly in their pride refuses to admit those things and does harm to both themselves, their followers, and to the mission of the organization. Well, that podcast got me thinking that beyond uh, just admitting that you were wrong, uh, sometimes leadership mistakes are actually more than just mistakes. They're, they're really failures where uh, we've, we've done something that's just wrong, and we have to do more than just say, uh, I, I've changed my mind. We have, to, we have to go beyond that. So I want to talk today about what happens when failure happens. What do you do when you've been a leader that uh, makes a pretty serious mistake or you've done something that just really failed in the organization or failed in your leadership practices? You know, the most stunning example of leadership failure in the Bible is probably Peter's denial of Jesus. Peter had sworn that he would be forever faithful to Jesus, and when Jesus was arrested and was on trial, uh, Peter followed along, uh, and I'm, I give him credit for at least being there when the other disciples weren't, but Peter followed along and found himself in a courtyard outside where Jesus was being held, and while Peter was waiting in that courtyard, a slave girl asked him if he was one of Jesus' followers, and he denied that. And a little while later, one of the bystanders asked if he were a disciple, and of course he denied that too. And then finally, a slave of the high priest, actually a relative of the man who'd lost his ear during the battle or the little skirmish in Gethsemane, he asked if Peter had been with Jesus in Gethsemane, and Peter denied being with Jesus. In fact, then it says in the Bible that Jesus or Peter cursed and swore his disavowal. And as soon as that happened, a rooster crowed. That rooster crowing may have been the, sa- the saddest sound in human history. The threefold denial that Jesus had warned about, and Peter had vehemently denied was even possible, had happened. Peter fled the courtyard that day, weeping bitterly. He knew that he had failed miserably in his leadership role and his capacity as one of Jesus's select and chosen disciples to carry his message forward. Peter failed uh, in at least four ways that day. First, he, he failed Jesus as a friend. On a personal basis, he failed Jesus. Second, uh, Peter failed the other disciples. You know, over the years, Jesus had singled Peter out for special training and for special privileges. There's no question that as you read through the Gospels, uh, Peter is the leader of the Twelve. And when he denied Jesus that day, it was a denial that really was a denial of his leadership responsibility to set the pace for the other disciples. 
And then Peter also failed himself. He denied who he was. He denied his role in God's kingdom. He rejected his identity. He lied about his whereabouts. He refused to admit that he knew who Jesus was or how he was related to Jesus. Uh, This loathsome, profane denial uh, is really a a heinous crime, if you will, uh, against uh, all that Peter claimed to stand for. It's, it's really a despicable moment for him personally. And then uh, Peter failed God. Of course, he failed God in that Jesus himself was fully God, but he failed God in the sense that he failed to fulfill his responsibilities and to have his, show his ultimate allegiance to God's kingdom in that moment. So by any measure, this is an abject failure. Peter failed Jesus as a friend, he failed the disciples, he failed himself, and he failed God, both in the person of Jesus and in the grander scheme of things in God's kingdom's kingdom's work. Now, this story may really discourage you because you think, yeah, I I get it, leaders fail. In fact, as a a leader, I I feel like a failure a a lot of the time. Uh, You're very aware of your weaknesses. Uh, Your propensity to make mistakes, even when you're trying to do your best, is frustrating. In fact, some days it's more than frustrating. It's it's deeply aggravating. Uh, You've been persistent in your efforts to improve. You've tried your best. But you have two clay feet, and you keep tripping over them, don't you? It seems like no matter how hard you try, uh, you fail to fulfill your responsibilities in crucial ways, and at inopportune moments, you say or do the wrong thing. Now, if you've been leading for a while, you, uh, you've hoped, of course, that this would get better over time, but you've learned it really hasn't improved that much. Now, while your character development has removed some you know, besetting sins uh, and your improved leadership mis- skills have prevented some mistakes, the hard reality is you still fail. Uh, you still fail personally. You still fail professionally. You still fail. Uh, Your anger gets the best of you. Your fears overwhelm you. Your relational skills deteriorate and and you say things that you wished you hadn't said or uh, wished you'd never let out in a public venue. I know all these things because I've done all these things. No matter how hard you try, you're still beset with these issues that cause you to, from time to time, fail. You know, on my 25th anniversary as a ministry leader, I, I thought, you know, I, I'm going to do some reflection and, and write out the, the key insights I've learned in 25 years of ministry. And so I, I, I got out my journal, and I, I, I thought, okay, what, what have I learned? And, and this was the first sentence that I wrote. I thought by now I would be a better man. I thought by now I'd be a better man. And I never wrote anything else in the journal about those, 20, those things I'd learned in 25 years. Because that was the overarching um, conclusion that sort of staggered me. You know, I, I just thought I'd be better by now. I thought I'd be less angry and more insightful. I thought I'd be uh, more patient with people, and I thought I'd be wiser in my dealings with them. I just thought by 20, after 25 years, I, I, I'd be a better man. 
Well, it's been a number of years since that day, and quite honestly, I've never gotten away from that insight. I, I've been at this leadership now for pushing up close to 35 years, and and I still say the same thing. I just thought by now I'd be a better man. I, I thought I would just know what I was doing more confidently, and I would make decisions more assuredly, and I would make mistakes less frequently. In fact, by now, I thought I would have eliminated most of those, and I would be a resounding success as a leader, and yet still there are failures that mark what I do. So what do you do when you experience a leadership failure? What do you do when, you, when you've said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing and You've really done some damage to yourself, to your relationships, to your organization, and maybe even to God's kingdom. What do you do? Well, let me give you some pretty simple and straightforward suggestions. Number one, admit what you've done. First of all, tell God about it. He already knows. If you think you're faking it, stop. Just get down on your knees and tell God what you've done wrong. And be honest with him in every way. Pour out your mistake to him. And then second, uh, tell the people to whom you're in authority about your mistake and that you know you've made one. For me, that means that I have to go to my board, and I've had to do this on occasion, and tell them I made a mistake. I I wasted this money, I hired this wrong person, I, I led us down this path of a program that won't work, I, I made mistakes. If you're in a church, you may have to tell your church leadership whatever form that may take in your congregation, but someone uh, to whom you're accountable has to hear those words come out of your mouth that you admit that you've made a mistake. And then the third thing is you have to tell the people who were negatively impacted by your decision now, this can be very difficult for leaders to do. A number of years ago, uh, when I was here at the seminary, um, I went into a meeting one afternoon, and, and I said some things in that meeting that were very damaging. They, they damaged my reputation as a leader. They damaged my relationship to the people that were in the meeting. Uh, they did damage to the seminary because I... Um, I set back the work that we were trying to accomplish by what I did and said in that meeting. It was not, uh, it was not good. Now, I can try to justify it. Uh, it was a meeting that I had that I was already frustrated about what was taking place in that meeting from the reports that other people had given me. It was a situation where I was fatigued, where I'd been through a series of days of long meetings and challenging circumstances. And, and, uh, and so I can, I can try to put it off on other things and say, you know, there's all these extenuating circumstances that justify what I did, but, but honestly, I, I can't put it off on anything else. I just have to tell you straight out that I blew it. It was a bad, bad thing. Again, I said things that damaged my stature as a leader. I said things that wounded and hurt the people that were in the meeting. And I, uh, as a result of that, set back the seminary's work because I, distract, I de detracted from and distracted us from uh, the task at hand. So what did I do? Well, I, I, I actually got up and, and, and walked out of the meeting uh, in anger. I went down to my office, sat down, uh, calmed down just a bit, and, and then I said, uh, God, I really blew it. I, I really blew it back there. 
And you might think that I would have had some gentle spiritual impression that came from God in which he said, oh, it's not that bad. But the spiritual impression I had that I believe was from God was this. He said, uh, yep, you really did. That was bad. <laughs> so as I sat there at my desk, I, I, I said, God, I, I, really, I really blew that. And he, impl- he responded back, yes, you, you really did. So I sat there for a few moments, and I thought through what I'd done, and, and then I put my head down on the desk, and I prayed, God, I was wrong. And I cried out to God, and I told him about my, mis- my mistake and, and what I'd done, and, and I, I just poured it out as clearly as I could to him, and I asked him to forgive me. And after I'd finished uh, that prayer, I knew what I had to do. So um, I waited until the next morning because that meeting that I had left was, you know, obviously going on without me and was going to probably have already ended since I had walked out so angrily and abruptly. I waited until the next morning and I, I made a list of the seven or eight people that were in that meeting and I went to each one of them individually. Some I had to call because they were on the phone electronically, but uh, I went to each one either face-to-face or on the phone that day and I said, I've come today to apologize for the way I acted yesterday. Uh, my conduct in the meeting was a, a, was a leadership failure. And in every way, I want you to know that I realize I made a terrible mistake there. And I've come to apologize to you and ask for your forgiveness and to pledge to you that I want to work with this group to try to find solutions to the problems at hand and not allow my anger to, uh, uh, to get us off track again. Now, those weren't my exact words in every conversation, but depending on the person, that's generally or basically what I said to each of the people. And that was a painful morning of having to go through that process, but uh, I had to talk to God about what I did, and I had to talk to my board or my people that I'm in authority to about what I needed uh, did, and in this case, I needed to talk to them later. But then in this particular instance, I... I had to go back to the people that were involved and tell them personally what had happened and make uh, apologize to them, ask their forgiveness, and then move on. Now, I know some leaders are reluctant to... Oh, let me say, first of all, that I did eventually have to include that incident in my annual review with my board. Um, I, I didn't overblow it, but I also didn't ignore it. I said, you know, I've, I've had this experience, and I've learned from it and grown from it, and I think we've moved on from it, but I think it's important to know that this happened, and it's something that I'm growing from and we will keep working on. So that covers the three ways that you have to admit your mistake. But let me just go on to say that some leaders are really reluctant to admit mistakes. They assume that if they acknowledge a mistake, it's going to diminish their leadership stature. And in the short run, it may. When you tell people, I made a mistake, their, their, rea- their first response may be, oh, man, that cost me time, it cost me money, it wasted my energy, uh, it's hurt the organization, it's hurt our reputation. All those things may be in their minds when you admit that you've made a mistake. But in the long run, a leader who will admit a mistake will discover that their leadership stature actually grows through the process. Because your followers already know that you're imperfect. They already know you make mistakes. And so for you to admit one, it doesn't really change how they see you. But it does give them confidence that you're not so arrogant that you can't admit a mistake. And when you admit one, it causes them to say, I understand. 
I, I accept what you've done. I, I appreciate your honesty about this. And it gives me greater confidence in you going forward because I know that you are doing what's right for the organization, not what just defends or covers you in the situation. Now, a second aspect of this is that sometimes when you admit your mistake, uh, if it was more than a mistake, if it involved a sin, you're also going to be confessing it to God. Now, sometimes people say, well, aren't all leadership mistakes sinful? Well, not necessarily. You know, sometimes I've made a leadership mistake that was just an error in judgment. Um, I'm presented with two problem or two solutions to a problem, and I pick solution A when solution B would have been better. Six weeks later, I realize my mistake. I go back to the people involved, and I say, listen, um, I evaluated the information. I looked at the options. I chose option A. That turned out not to be so good. I see now I should have chosen B. I'm sorry. I apologize. Let's go with option B. There's really no sin involved in that. So there's not a matter of, of, of asking people to forgive you necessarily or asking God to forgive you. It's just a matter of admitting your mistake and moving forward. But in the story that I've just told you about my situation with that uh, committee meeting, uh, there was sin involved in that. My anger and my pride were very evident in those mo moments. And that's why when I said I had to go back to every person, I did more than just say, hey, I made a mistake. I also had to say, um, I was wrong. What I did was against you uh, was sinful. It needs to be forgiven, or I'm asking you to forgive me. And so uh, you have to kind of make that distinction. So the first thing you want to do is admit you made a mistake, and then if that mistake had sinful overtones or sinful aspects, you want to also confess that sin to God and to others and ask for their forgiveness. Now, once you've done that, the third step in the process of dealing with a leadership mistake is to accept your consequences and move on. Now, many leaders fail at this crucial point. They're willing to admit they made a mistake, but they're not willing to accept any consequences for what they've done. Now, uh, when they re and so when they react to or rebel against those consequences, they actually undermine the good work they've done in admitting their mistake and even confessing the sinfulness of the mistake they've made or any aspects of it that need to be confessed. You undermine that work when you resist the consequences that may come to you because of your action. Now, what do I mean by consequences? Well, there's a range of these. Uh, first of all, it might be something as simple as a verbal reprimand. It might be something as simple as someone saying to you, that really makes me angry, or I can't believe you did that, or you know, you can't keep doing that and expect to have the respect of others who work with you. A verbal reprimand like that, to receive that and say, I hear what you're saying, and all I can say again is I'm sorry and I apologize and I will move forward and do the best I can. But if you react to that kind of verbal reprimand and say, well, I don't know why you're saying that back to me, or you don't deserve to be able to say that, or you should be able to forgive me and move on, well, that undermines what you've just tried to accomplish by admitting your mistake and even confessing the sinful aspects of it. So accept or receive, first of all, any verbal reprimand that may come your way. And this may come in the form of a supervisor saying to you, listen, I, I, you can't make that mistake again. You've got to learn from this. You cannot continue down this path or I'll forgive you this one time, or I'll put this aside this one time, but you've got to understand you can't make this mistake again. Are we clear about that? That's verbal reprimand. Don't react to that. Receive it. And then beyond that, there may even be something like a, a, a loss of privileges that come with the, the, the mistake you've made. Uh, for example, uh, if someone here at the seminary um, mismanages money, I don't mean steals it, I mean just maybe spends it on something that wasn't wise, 
uh, we may not take that person's spending privileges away, but what we would probably say to them is, look, um, you know, you made a serious mistake in allocating these resources or spending it on that project, and so what we need you to do next time is you're going to need to get approval from your supervisor before you can spend that much money ever again. And we need to have that approval for the rest of this year so that we have a good check and balance on your judgment so that we can help you to relearn or to demonstrate that you, do, that you have learned what it means to manage these resources effectively. That's simple consequences. That, that, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't react to that. Just receive those consequences and say, I understand. I'll follow through with the procedures, and I'll earn your confidence in a fresh way. Uh, I once had an experience like this uh, in a church situation. Uh, a pastor hired an assistant, and it was a church member, uh, and that person didn't work out very well, and they had to dismiss her after a few weeks. And so then the pastor hired another assistant, and it was also another church member, and a few months go by, and that isn't working out, and they had the church had to dismiss this person. So the pastor said uh, to his leadership team, well, I'm going to start looking for another person. And they said, no, no, wait a second, hold on. Before you do that, um, we want you to know that you need to get some coaching on hiring practices, and we've arranged for an HR manager who's a member of our church to meet with you and give you some coaching on hiring practices. And second, um, we need to evaluate whether we're going to hire anyone else that's a church member because that's creating real difficulty for people who are no longer employed to remain members of our church. And third, um, you're going to have to uh, work with us as a leadership team so that we make a joint decision on this next hire because you've demonstrated in the pattern of your hiring that you don't do well with this, and we need to make sure we don't make a third mistake. Now, in that situation, if the pastor says, well, I don't know why you're doing this. I'm the pastor. I ought to be able to hire and fire who I want to work on my staff. Well, if you do that, you're resisting the consequences of your bad decisions and your leadership mistakes, and your accountability group is not trying to tell you you can't have an assistant. They're trying to tell you that you have some weaknesses that are damaging the organization and God's mission ultimately, and you need some coaching, some direction, and even some supervision to improve in those areas. So when you've made a leadership mistake and people give you consequences that require you to grow or improve or learn in an area, receive those consequences, whether they're verbal uh, rebuke or verbal correction or maybe even some consequences that they give you that are a loss of privileges or something like this. Uh, maybe you have to make restitution for something you've done where you have to pay something back. Well, pay it back. It's just that simple. All I'm saying is that when leaders make a mistake, when leaders fail in a significant way, the first step is to admit your mistake. Admit it to God, admit it to the people you wronged, and in most cases, you'll need to admit it to your board or the people to whom you're, uh, you're, you are accountable. Now, if that leadership mistake also has a sinful component, you have to confess that sin to God and to the people involved. Now, once you've done these things, in most cases, everyone will be willing to move forward, but if it's a case that's egregious enough that there have to be some consequences for you, receive those consequences graciously. If it's a verbal rebuke, receive it. If it's a loss of privilege, receive it. If it's some kind of structured consequence that requires you to be in a higher level of accountability or get greater approvals for what you're doing in the future, receive that. Because if you receive consequences appropriately, these consequences are typically short-term. They might be three months, six months, or a year. But as you reestablish the trust and reestablish your, the confidence your followers have in you or your supervisors have in you, or as you reestablish your credibility and your capacity to make decisions in the areas where you've made mistakes, then those consequences are lessened and you're able to go forward again uh, without them. 
If you react negatively to this kind of consequence for bad decisions, it undermines everything you've done in trying to make it right, and it reveals a sense of pride and of entitlement or of superiority that was the problem in the first place, and you want to get away from that by receiving the consequences graciously. And then finally, the last step when you've made a mistake, when you've confessed it, as, or when you've admitted it as a mistake, confessed it if it was a sin, when you've made restitution and made things right and done what needed to be done, received your consequences graciously, and you're moving forward, the last step is this. Move on. Once a mistake is admitted or a sin is confessed and forgiveness has been granted and consequences have been fulfilled, move on. The issue is over. Let it die. And once it's dead, bury it. And then stop digging up the corpse to check and see if it has a pulse. Once you've made a mistake, uh, excuse me, once you've admitted a mistake, once you've confessed a sin, once you've made things right with everyone, once you've accept your, received your consequences and you're living under them or you've resolved them, move on. Move on. Stop talking about the situation. Stop dredging up the difficulty. Stop repeating it as a sermon illustration. Stop talking about it. Move on on. You see, the Bible says there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. But leaders sometimes want to carry around a little bit of condemnation to just beat themselves up for some of their past mistakes. There's nothing biblical or Christian about doing that. Move on. Mistakes are in the past. Once they've been acknowledged, admitted, resolved, consequences mitigated, move on. Well, leaders make mistakes, sometimes big mistakes that we would actually call leadership failures. Put these principles into practice I've talked about today, and you will discover that while you will never be a perfect leader, you can be a leader who moves on from the failures, mistakes, sins, and shortcomings that are a part of our lives, and you can still be an effective organizational leader. Learning to handle your mistakes is part of what it means to be a leader. You can do it, Lead on.